But yeah, let's watch this uh, trailer while I get all the stuff set up and we'll get Paul over here in the room. I'll be right back. It was pretty clear what the writing on the wall was, which is that everybody is going to be deplatformed from everything. My credit card had been declined for some subscription, and I said, well, that's weird. But I see that on my checking account, it was zero dollars. And understand, I had something like a half million dollars in that checking account just the other day. I saw there was a legal order placed on my account, and she gives me three phone numbers for U.S. attorneys working for the Department of Justice. The reason why this is so crushing is because the Department of Justice and the FBI are immovable because of the war on terror, because of the Patriot Act, because of how the federal government operates. They really can do whatever they want to whoever they want, and there's nothing you can do about it. The federal government is gonna do what it's going to do, and you're just along for the ride. All of that concentrated power that's been built up in Washington, D.C. is being rotated and turned inward. That's the total end of a free society. That's the end of your rights, that's the end of your property, and it could be the end of your life. And so that was the first major instance of the federal government coming after me after January 6th. They're not letting you fly with Southwest. With Southwest, I'm but not sure maybe about other Delta, maybe? I'm not sure. Okay. I know that was a TSA number. I'm not sure if you're blocked from all, just a no flight list. Did they give you a reason? No. Let's see if we can get Paul on here into the room. He is the director and co-producer of The Most Canceled Man in America, new documentary about the political persecution of Nic Nicholas J. Fuentes. You can go to mymoviesplus.com, follow him on Twitter. All the stuff is below in the show description. He also has a Substack and things like that. It's linked below. Let's, uh, let's talk to the man and get him on in the stream. Paul, do you hear me? Hello. Hey, yeah, hear you good. How are hey, you? Can you hear me okay again. here? Paul Escondon. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Yeah, you're up on screen. Great. How's it going today? Hey, it's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So I watched I watched the um, documentary yesterday and the day before, and uh, I big fan of your work. You know, I hadn't. We're going to talk today about what other other stuff you've done, but I'm a big fan of sure. Fuentes, and I'm I was at um, America First Pack uh, this year. But uh, so yeah, I mean, okay. made made this documentary. But I want to talk about your background first. Do you? Uh, I don't know how, how long have you been in the filmmaking business, but just kind of just give us your story of up to this uh, the point of this documentary. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I was one of those kids that had a really hard time in college. Like I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I had a lot of hobbies and I was very like autodidactic as a kid. I was homeschooled. So I just like learning things and doing my own thing. And so once I had to get like past classes in college, that didn't really work for me. So what I did was um, I started doing still photography and I really got into that, created a business when I was young and was doing, you know, just like portraitures and weddings and events and, and artsy stuff whatever. And then I had a buddy who was like my best friend growing up and he was um, in film school at Long Beach State. We were both born and raised in Southern California. And he said, hey, I've seen your photography. It's really good. You should consider like cinematography. It's same ideas, lighting, cameras, color temperatures, you know, it's just moving pictures. And so at the time he was working as an intern for Lawrence Bender, who is uh, Quentin Tarantino's producer. At the time he had produced every Quentin Tarantino movie. They were like oh. partners essentially. So I was, um, I got into that uh, again, learning it myself. And I took one film class in community college to, to get a little bit more hands-on, have access to equipment, be able to learn editing, you know, have lab access, all that stuff. So I didn't have a good computer at the time. Um, and so, 
he moved on from that role as an intern and basically offered it to me. He said, Hey, they hired me on full time. Do you want to do this internship where I'm essentially like this guy's third assistant? You know, this is a big time Hollywood producer, ultra lefty, ultra liberal guy, you know, personal friends with the Clintons. Ariana Huffington would call him every day. I would take that call like, like really an insider very stereotypical like Hollywood stuff. But I got in there and I started sort of learning the business from the inside. I spent about a year there and then I realized, you know, I don't really want to work in features. I don't want to work in Hollywood. What interests me was the post-production side I ended up really liking. You know, everybody kind of goes to film school. They want to be a director. They want to be the first credit, you know, the first name out there. And, um, and I did too, but I really saw like, Hey, my strength was in like shaping the story and in the edit room. So I took a, I left that job after about a year. Um, I made an independent documentary with a friend doing camera work and then doing some editorial on it. And then I got a full-time job as a, as an editor for a, uh, like a sports outdoor sports television network. And I did that for five years, staff editor for five years from about 2005 to 2010, cut my teeth at there, did hundreds of hours of, or hundreds of episodes of, uh, television, long form stuff. And, um, for the last 12 years, I left that job to move to Texas 12 years ago. I've been essentially a freelancer ever since. So taking on jobs and building a client list and still do a lot of work in sports. Um, And it was actually the COVID lockdown where all sports just canceled for half a year that really allowed me to be open to doing projects like this. In this case, the most canceled man in America. I got two other politically oriented documentaries in the pipeline that are going to be releasing one hopefully later this year and another next year, you know, without that lockdown where I had to kind of re a lot of people had to reassess, like, what do we want to do with our lives? Where are we going to make money? I decided, Oh, let me, this is a good, I, I see everything in sort of like decade blocks. So I had done 10 years. There was like my first 10 years of life, like growing up and then taking easy jobs and then getting into a professional career. And then there was my second 10 years, which was like freelancing in Texas. And I was like, do I want to do that? for another 10 years. And I answered that question. No. So I was like, Hey, what do I want to do? And that's how I kind of got involved in all this stuff. So that, that's the short version of the yeah. story, but I'm happy to share that with you. Sure. Yeah. So when you were, uh, when you were first getting started out and you were working for Tarantino's uh, pro- producer, I think you said is, uh, yeah. were you, you know, a liberal at the time? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm in the arts as well. I'm a professional musician and I, come from a pretty liberal background, maybe more libertarian, but w- did you ever buy into the whole Hollywood degeneracy thing or were you kind of m- more right-wing at the time? I was always conser- a conservative cool. at the time. I would have just kind of call- called myself a conservative. And you know, there there's this effect that happens in these like enclaves of liberalism where the right-wing people that have to be quiet about it are like super based and you kind mm. of figure out who they are. So even within the office, there was like the guy that worked downstairs in the tape room who was like, who was like, cool. We didn't even use the term base back then, but now it's yeah. like a perfect word world. And then there was a, there was a guy who was the projection. He was like the personal projectionist for like Martin Scorsese. And he would be in the office a lot. Like he was friends with kind of the group that I was in there. He was based. And so there was, <laughs> there was this network of people. And then there was people that really just didn't care. And like, you knew that you could, you weren't going to offend them. They might like outwardly be like, Oh yeah, John Kerry, 2004 for sure. Like, yeah, let's do that. But like, they didn't give a shit. They just wanted to do work. And that was my friend. My friend's always been really good at like, I don't even know what his values are. That's how good he is at it. Like, I have no idea. Like I, I always like kind of assumed he might be more conservative, but like he's got to play the game. He still works as a commercial director, very successful commercial director. So, you know, 
who knows? It just had, you know, it, it didn't come up. So yeah, I never bought into that. And, um, it was, it was seeing the, it was seeing Hollywood from the inside. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I think it's called, it's, it's Kevin Spacey. I think it's called uh, swimming with sharks or swimming with the sharks. It's like this prototypical, like, like lunatic producer that is like violent and abusive to everybody around him. And it like, my experience was kind of like that. Like, like that's, he was nice to the people on his staff. Well, this is a funny thing. He was nice to the people that he wasn't paying, which was me. Like the interns, he was nice to, and any everybody else, it was like, it was this thing, you know, this Hollywood producer thing. So, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm, I'm never going to talk down to him, but it was, it was a little silly just how how liberal these people were and and how they saw the world. It was just so so wacky to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, I I lived in D.C. until uh, twenty you know until 2021 essentially and it was towards the end especially during covid it just got uh got a little little crazy and i was changing too i became pretty yeah. far right or whatever and so you you didn't work in you you've been freelance for about 12 years you said but you, and you you already mentioned you have a couple connections there there still did you see a change you know from talking to your friends in hollywood in the last 10 years or so, or was it always, you know, cause I, I, I don't know whether I changed or the movies changed, but it got a lot more degenerate or crazy to me in the last five years or so. And I stopped watching movies, Hollywood movies for that reason. Do you think that it changed or do you think the culture changed around it or it just became more visible with the internet or, or what? Well, I can speak to the TV production environment that I work with really the last 10 years. Cause I've been really not like plugged in with like the feature Hollywood feature scene or whatnot. I assume that what you're saying is probably true. I just can't speak firsthand, but I could even say in, even in like, I did a lot of work for um, basically every sports television network has been my client over the last 10 years, ESPN, Fox, CBS, ABC, NBC, tennis channel, golf channel, like everyone. And a lot of those are owned by there's not a lot of ownership there. There's like ESPN, which owns a lot of the stuff. And then there's Fox, which owns a lot of the stuff. And then NBC has their hands in a, in a couple places. So you're really talking about ESPN slash ABC, Fox and NBC. And um, you could see a lot of just like the internal policies change, like changing and then what they were putting, like it's a lot of the woke stuff really start about right, right around the time Colin Kaepernick was really like a big story. They're on air talent change. There started to be, you know, like a purge of people that were, you know, not even overtly political, but they might've had like some political leanings or opinions on their social media. And it really got just like, just not like, I'm like, do, do I really want to work? Like, I'm not going to trash him. Cause I was like, I'll still do work. That's apolitical and it's good stuff. But like that definitely changed. And, um, you know, you still have your good producers out there or your good executive producers that are in charge of this sport or this show around this sport. But like the culture is just no different than what you've seen of like the wokeness in corporate America. And I think it's obvious now you turn on ESPN during the day or, or just see how they cover events. It's, it's nothing like it used to be 10 years ago when it was like sports, almost like when MTV stopped being music videos and then <laughs> yep. it became all this like really weird shit. Like, you know, like in the early two thousands, it's, or even the late nineties, I guess that was already happening. It's like that. It's like, what happened to the like sports takes? Why is it all like social justice and black lives matters, like features around basketball events? It's just, you know, so, but what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, I'm not doing as much work there is what I'm going to do. 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to kind of be my last question. You kind of spoke to it right there. Last question before we talk about your relationship with America First and the documentary is, you know, one thing that I noticed living in the D.C. music scene is there was just a huge decline in competence and it got replaced by people making you feel good or just people being in a certain group. And it would be if someone is expressing themselves in an emotional way that got counted as good rather than the skill itself. Um, and you kind of spoke to with, with just with content, they stopped you showing videos on MTV and they started talking cultural war po- politics on, e- on ESP or sports networks and stuff like that. But did you notice people, um, that weren't as good at their job getting elevated for another reason, you know, through your path in, in, in directing and in, in the field, I should say. You know, that's a really good question. I would say in the like filled production, um, not so much, not so much, because like a lot of what I'm talking about is more the the public facing kind of thing. Right. It's like the on air talent who's getting fired, who's get, who's getting promoted. That's not really our world when we're operating cameras or in the edit room or working with the producers. That's, you know, where I'm at pretty much stays. Everybody's kind of like we're not talking politics in the truck. It's like, keep stated, you know, keep everyone kind of keeps to themselves. Me last time I've always been sort of like the people who hired me were like, man, I saw what you, uh, saw what you've been saying. And then they agree with me a lot of times, but it's like, they're like, I want to cut it out, you know? And I'm not the type of person to do that. Right. So it's like, Hey, you yeah. don't have to hire me. You know, it's, awesome. you know what I can do. So, um, so I don't see it as much there, you know, the, the, especially in sports, it's like, I did a lot of work in golf and I love golf as a sport. I think it's the hardest sport. It's the most challenging sport to put on television. It's my favorite sport to play. Like, um, and the, when you talk to, when you like, when you go to a golf event and you look at like the, the crew, it's like these old guys that have been doing it for like 20 to 30 years with a camera on their back. They're just like, they can't not ha- get those guys. Like there's no, nobody exists in the like, woke, like liberal world to like replace the, you know, there's a couple hundred guys that exist in this country that know how to follow a golf ball from T to landing. Those are it, you know, it's not easy. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully that doesn't change for a while, but you know, COVID did change a lot of things. I refused to get, um, a shot for that. And a lot of policies, basically I couldn't work for a while. That's starting to soften up, but, um, I know at the ESPN, they required vaccination at some point. And, you know, I told the, the, all the people that hired me for ESPN jobs, I was like, Hey, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get vaccinated. It's never going to happen. So, and I'm not going to lie. So if you're going to hire me, you you need to do whatever you need to do on your end so that if somebody asks me and I have to tell the truth, it's not going to burn you. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, my print, those are my principles, you know. And so I kind of knew the story. I don't know what platforms you're on, so I don't know what I could say, what I could say but I feel very vindicated now uh, <laughs> that, that I was able to, uh, you know, hold out and take whatever job I want now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so I, I was talking to my fans before this about usually what we do is we uh, we're on YouTube, Twitch, D live and stuff right now. And what we yeah. usually do is we upload, we delete it from everything and just upload it to Odyssey for that reason. And yeah. uh, so far, I think I'm going to risk keeping the, just the interview itself up on YouTube. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'll well, get I try burnt, not but, to say, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, tr- I, I I'm. I'm, I'm well versed, I guess, in what, <laughs> what's safe. I'm trying to keep this a safe for YouTube uh, interview. Let me, let me put it that way. Yeah. And so you have a channel over on cozy, right? Uh, so you That's can right. say what you want over there, right? Yeah. I don't use it as much as I should. I really plan to, uh, now that this movie is out the door and we've released it and, and the heavy workload of trying to, you know, get it across the finish line is, is done. I think I'm going to be doing some more streaming, but yeah, we do. I do have a channel over there and 
uh, it's not, you know, it's not super controversial, the kind of things I say, even on there, I can, but it's pretty uh, straightforward. Sometimes I do like editing streams. People tend to like that. Um, Sometimes I'll just do commentary, you know, Mm -hmm. from my perspective, from the non zoomer perspective. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 34. So I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not, you know, sometimes I have to figure out what their humor is all about and they're edgy, man. Like, but I like it. It's a, it's it's, a challenge. Yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm getting really good at speaking their language. Yeah. Cool, man. So yeah. And then people will say like the critics will be like, aren't you like 50? And I'll be like, no, I'm 70 actually. (laughs) Yeah. You got to come over the top. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> Agree and amplify. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, what, what is your, were you at AFPAC this year? Like when did you start the filming for, cause in the documentary, yeah. there's a lot of footage from different, like old events and stuff like that. When did you actually start the filming process yeah. of, of the most canceled man in America? So, you know, we started in a way we started filming before we knew we were making a film and that, and so the story behind that is, uh, Jason Rink and I were, making a documentary we decided to make a documentary about the rallies after the 2020 election like the stop what what are now called stop the steal rallies and so we started kind of getting in with them guys like ali alexander who who was putting together uh a lot of those rallies uh middle towards end of november so about three weeks after the election we we hit the road with them created a relationship there and just followed them through January 6th. So we were in Florida, we were in Georgia, we were in Arizona, we were in DC a couple times. And so we were making a movie around that. Well, one of the guys that we ended up interviewing while we were making that movie was Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman who who went in the Capitol with the horns. So we were able to reach out to him, not knowing if he was arrested from that, not knowing if anybody was going to be arrested while they were in there. And we interviewed him on the 7th of January, the day after he was still free. He was able to drive back home to Arizona from DC. So at that point, we're like, this guy is the most recognizable guy in the world right now. We probably have another movie here. So we kind of split off and now we, we have two movies. We have we still got this movie on the steel, which is a very compelling story that needs to be told. And then we have a story about the QAnon Shaman, which is that's going to be out. That's going to be the next thing we release. But along the way, we saw Nick Fuentes in these rallies. He was there and Alex Jones was there and Ali Alexander was there and Scott Pressler and all these guys. Right. That were on the right that were really loud, loud voices about what had happened at the election and trying to draw attention to it and getting, you know, states to call special sessions and look into, you know, look into these voting irregularities. Um, so, so that was that, you know, I, I brushed shoulders, I guess you could say with Nick, um, during that time. And then when he got put on the no fly list, I just thought, you know, I think there's a story there that I can, cover because i know it's probably not going to get covered accurately i don't know if anybody has the uh you know balls to (laughs) stake their career or their game on covering this guy fairly and i and i kind of just don't care at this point and i think it needs to be done i i make movies and tell stories that are interesting to me and that's it like unless you're paying me really good money to like operate a camera to you know follow a golfer or something i'm i have to be interested so that was just interesting to me i wanted to make I wanted to figure out what was going on there. And I didn't know, you know, I go in with an open mind and I really don't know. And there's, there's a journalistic aspect of it. So I interviewed him at the end of May, 2021, you know, I reached out and said, Hey, love to do a project with you. I'm not asking for money. All I'm asking for you is like a day of your time, sit down and do an interview with me and I'll follow you around, shoot some B-roll all day while you do your show. So we set up a time to do that. And I came away from that with, you know, the bulk of the interview that you see for the first 
25 minutes was a single sit down interview and come to find out he's all not just on the no fly list, which I had known about. He had like half a million dollars of his bank account sees. I didn't even know that until I sat down and we, we had our first discussion in Chicago and he starts telling me the story and I'm like, wait a second. This is like we have to expand the scope of this. Cause that's crazy. I had no idea. And, um, so I, and again, stop me if you want to, I, I can tell stories very long. Yeah, here. keep going. No, we're but, good. Yeah. But you know, it was at that point we released them online and pretty good response, but it was just through his, you know, his show. Um, so there's a limited audience there. And I told, and I told him at the beginning, I said, Hey, you know, I think there's a chance that we can maybe once we're done, wait till the festival season comes around and submit it to a film festival. And we can get into that whole story. <laughs> Love to get into that whole story if you want to. I won't get into it now because I got to kind of put a button on this piece. But um, <laughs> we we got into the festival. Then 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 it was pulled from the festival. And I went to Halfpack in February just to. In my head, it was like I was going to shoot like the third episode because if you hear about the no fly list and you hear about the money, it's so like black pilling. It's just it's like negative and it's like he's beaten down and it's like there's like a positive side of this. I think the whole that you're still have an audience and you're still reaching people and you're still able to operate despite the deplatforming, despite the government saying you can't have money anymore, despite the government saying you can't get on a plane anymore. There's a story there that I think needs to be told. So I figured through the lens of AFPAC, which is like his biggest achievement, arguably, we can show sort of what the movement is, right? Because if you hear that he's on the no-fly list and you hear that he had his money seized, the next question you want to ask, whether you know Nick or not, is why and what did he do to deserve it? Well, I think if you see what he does at AFPAC, you, pre- you get a pretty good sense of, of the why in terms of what does Nick do? What does he believe? What is his experience? If he is a threat, why? In his own words, right? His AFPAC speech is sort of his, in a way, it's like the state of America first. It's his one chance to be in front of a live audience and a streaming audience and speak on what he believes and what he plans to do. And so that's why we were there at AFPAC 3. And you see a lot of that in the movie, as you've seen. The second half of it really kind of shows that side of it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm interviewing you today, obviously, but just a little bit about my story. I, I told you some of this on, online and my fans certainly know, but, you know, we've crossed paths a, uh, paths a lot. I was at AFPAC. I was at Stop mm-hmm. the Steal in D.C. I was at both of them. I don't remember. One was like the Million MAGA March, and I was actually filming Nick. I live stream what seems like my whole life at this point. Um, okay. And I was, I was live streaming Nick uh, giving a speech on the steps. I was live streaming inside of the Capitol. I got arrested by the FBI on February 1st. Um, I got debanked too. I got kicked out of Wells Fargo. I got kicked out. of. Um, I don't know if I am on a no fly list. I haven't tried to fly. Uh, I tried to buy a gun a week ago and I got declined, even though I'd only got charged with a misdemeanor, um, kicked out yeah, of yeah. like a, a lot of things in common with Nick, just not as rich and not as famous <laughs> and not as young either. So I know, a lot I, of people, yeah. yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> exactly. So and I, I agree with you that, that AFPAC was a huge white pill just to see, you know, 1200, how many uh, people like young men there, you know, you know, you know, I don't know, pressing on despite the adversity and things like that. And I know that AFPAC two was almost didn't happen. You know, I didn't go to that, but I was there in Orlando. So it's like really cool to, you know, be, you know, part of the same movement. I've, I've met a lot of those guys haven't met. Well, no, I did have a burger with Nick, but we didn't meet. I, you know, I was at, this was on December 12th. I guess you were, you were filming a little bit that day as well. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So that's when we were out there in DC. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So, well, so, I mean, you know, so you interviewed Nick and you just got, did a day. And so what was the, um, have you, 
were you did you keep the documentary pretty under wraps before it came out like i know we'll talk in a second about you not you getting what was it freedom fest was the name of the the film yeah, festival right. yeah so did you yeah freedom fest is this is the festival libertarian festival and then anthem film festival is like libertarian the festival that sits alongside freedom yeah. fest yeah wow. that's the one so did you face did you keep it under wraps that you were going to be cuz fuente is a very controversial figure i guess what i'm talking about is, is the idea of backlash but even prior to you releasing it were, did people advise you not to do this sounds like if they did you probably didn't care uh but did, was there a pre-backlash before getting uh you know removed from these this film festival so i would say that in, in a in a way i did sort of keep it under wraps um i didn't seek anyone's advice and so nobody nobody told me to do that but um when we came out with the first at what we call as episode right now, really, it's right. basically the first nine, 10 minutes of the document of the feature length documentary. Um, we were not promoting it like to on our social media platforms. In fact, we didn't even have our names on it for the first episode because we were, you know, you know, there could be a backlash and we didn't really, we just weren't sure what was going to happen with that. We were in some discussions with large distributors, you know, wink, wink, like really big companies about our other films. And so, you know, it just seemed like a big risk if we were to be affiliated with Nick at a time where we were trying to do this really large deal. Um, and there was a money on the line, like if we can avoid that, let's avoid it. And we were able to just say, well, let's just not put our name on it. We'll do the work. We'll let Nick release it and talk about it and promote it. But you know, we just won't, won't put our name on it. And so we did that. And you know, somewhere in between that August 2021 release and then the February 2022 release, you know, that what is that like a six months, six months window? We, I just kind of dropped that. I was like, you know, I got to be all in on my projects. I got to if if there's blowback for, uh, you know, being associated with something you really believe in or telling a story you really want to tell. Well, that's just going to be have to be part of my story. I'm going to have to work that in the same way a lot of people work there being canceled in or being targeted for having the wrong opinion or talking to the guy with the wrong opinion. And, and so far, no problems. I mean, there hasn't been really any issue. There likely will be some of it is like, you never know. I mean, if you look at my Twitter timeline, you might go like, wow, <laughs> this is not a guy I want to work with. If you're a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> down the middle or, right. or left leaning and that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's that. And at this point, my name's on it. Our production company's on it. I'm all over the place. People, I mean, my name's on the poster. So, you know, that, that's, that's since gone away. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's it. the reason I laughed because, you know, if you're a liberal, if you're a little more down the middle, you might not uh, like your Twitter t timeline, but I really like yeah. your Twitter. I mean, well, if you're on the you. far right, yeah. like I, I think you're really based out there on social media. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. People, people say they like the Twitter, the Twitter me. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to keep it up. So Jason Rink is the co-producer. He He's the co he's the executive producer of the of the documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd Basically J Jason is my producing partner. He's the, he's as much of a director as me. Like when you look at the big picture scope of things, this was sort of my baby. So I spearheaded this one. He's going to be the director of our next film. And we're yeah. sort of like Cohen brothers, like we're taking turns on it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. And, and we have him as the executive producer cause he's the guy with the, the money <laughs> essentially this he fund to the extent that this was fun i mean there was money put behind this it cost at least five figures to make this if you add in you know time you know the time we put into it the travel costs hotel costs you know interview stuff day rates um 
and yeah, he's a really, he's a really good guy. And, um, you know, he was the one that really made this whole getting into the film festival and then not. And then he, he was like the face of the project for like the first few months after that cancellation, because he, he was so intimately involved with freedom fest and, you know, getting the movie out there. He did a lot of really good legwork and articles. And then once the movie got closer to coming out, we had a discussion. He's like, Hey, now that, now that it's out and like that controversy died down, you're kind of now the face of the project mm. probably. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I did make it. So it's funny. He did media beef. I didn't do a single podcast or any interview until about like three weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And then um, now I'm the only one that does like now I went on Harrison Smith's show and, cool. and uh, did some, I went, I went on with destiny. I streamed with destiny. I streamed with Ethan Ralph. I'm talking to you. So I'm like, I'm putting myself out there. I'm like, I'll do whatever media. Cause I want people to see this. Yeah, cool, man. So let's talk about the Freedom Fest thing. I mean, this one, look, I used to be a pretty, you know, pr pretty, not establishment, but I used to be libertarian. And these people on the right or the mainstream right, the Republican, conservative, libertarian types, they love to talk about cancel culture. And it's just all BS, man. Like, so I, I'm a, I follow some of the people that do Freedom Fest. I think, you know, Dave Rubin was there and things like that. But you, you guys, this is a... And they're all about their principles, too. They say they're about their principles. And, you know, I'll, I, I don't believe, you know, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I'll defend you know, to my death the right to say it. Yeah. And all that stuff. And this is a guy, a young man. If you just look at the facts of the case that we already went through, young man put on the no fly list, wasn't charged with a crime, had his uh, money seized. And they're supposed to be anti-government, but they don't, you know, but they reject. Well, they accept the film. But then they reject it after, you know, basically learning about about who Fuentes is, for lack of a better word. So what happened there? You know, what what describe what that process was like and kind of how you guys handled it and stuff? Yeah, good question. So, you know, Jason has had a relationship with this festival, Freedom Fest, for like 10 years. In fact, he's been a judge before the year prior. He was a judge and we were out there, me and him doing contracted work for them so like we were like friends with them we were like on the inside we had no reason to think this would ever be an issue and so we submitted it the same way you do you know i i think there's probably a fee in an application and you send a link and jason wasn't sure if they would accept it i think he probably gave it about a 50 50 because you know fuentes controversial and when he sent the email he said hey we just we did a documentary this guy's controversial maybe too controversial for freedom fest but here it is and they accepted it and we were like pleasantly surprised we're like that's great first thing i did was i told nick i said hey we got into this freedom fest um it's going to probably screen on this 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 or this day it's going to be in vegas let me know if you were interested in coming and he, he wrote back and he's like yeah i'll be there that's great and so he was already off the no fly list by then. I think I knew that. So I knew he had the ability to travel fairly easily. And so I thought that would be good. And so I told Jason, I said, Hey, we're in freedom fest. That's awesome. I'm glad that's, that should be fun. Cause we were going to go anyway. Like we were playing, we had, we had, I don't know if we had tickets at the time yet, but we were already going to go. So now we got to film in and that's cool. And there's a lot of films and it's a small festival. It's not a big deal, but just, Hey, a new way to bring attention to it and maybe get, give it some new legs. You know, that sounds fun. And Jason sent a message to the organizers and said, Hey, Nick's going to be there. So if there's any interest in bringing him on a panel, I could even maybe moderate it. I think he said, um, let me know. And I reached out to Nick to see if he would want to do that. Well, I never got an email back from Nick. I don't think he had read the message in the couple of days that went by. Sorry, not an email, a message. And what Freedom Fest did was they made a big mistake and they announced that Nick was going to be on a panel. 
This wasn't confirmed. Jason just floated the idea by them. So in an email that they send out to their entire email list, it shows that the most canceled man in America is going to air. And the, the graphic that they use for this email that to announce their film festival is our movie. So they're clearly putting it front and center. They say Nick's going to be there. And I kind of had a moment of panic because I was like, ooh, this makes me look bad because now Nick is going to be somewhere that he doesn't even, he, as far as I know, he didn't even read the message. So I kind of, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to do have to clean some stuff up in the background. Well, they got, you know, Freedom Fest got a shitstorm basically once they announced that by people informing them like this is not something you can do <laughs> like this is a bad guy he's not to be like you, like you can't like what are you doing and so they got on the phone with jason and they ended up saying that they like you know they confirmed they liked the movie and it was a good story and it's sh- and it's a story that should be there because it's about you know no due process and free liberty you know topics the dangers of the government with the control that they have and um you know they admitted to them that people from the highest levels of reason magazine national review fire all these <laughs> all these companies like national review like that's not even a libertarian like what they're pressuring them to take the film out so they didn't immediately pull the film at that point. The first thing they said is we're, we're just going to take Nick off the panel and see if things die down or whatever. Well, that wasn't enough for the critics. They needed a full throated, like takedown of Nick of us, of the movie. And they shortly took us, took us off. And we probably would have been okay with that. But the thing is they came back in some of, there was a lot of criticism then of them on, on the internet from Groypers and others. And they came back with public, tweets essentially denying what like lying about as far as i i'm concerned denying what they had told jason in private jason recorded those calls and had the transcript and was like he never released the call but in in an article he released their exact words to him word for word that you know shows their public position of like oh no we were not influenced we did this on our own once we did like research and really they got caught they got caught in a way that a libertarian freedom loving type of person should not be caught, which is like going against their values and, and losing integrity in the process. So that was the start of it. And, um, now I'll, I'll, I'll I'll put a pause into the, (laughs) into that story. Mm, Okay. Gotcha. And so, you know, it, it was kind of one thing after another, like, and they kind of dug themselves a big hole with, you know, they confirmed a thing that they announced the thing that wasn't confirmed him being on the panel. Then they took him off the panel. Then they canceled you guys. Then they were dishonest about it. And that whole yeah. thing kind of, you know, resulted in, I don't want to say a campaign by you guys or some, some kind of you guys, you know, took action, spilled the beans and went public about the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it was once they lied on Twitter and in some Facebook comments and called Jason's integrity in the question. That's one thing you don't ever do is call Jason Rink's integrity in the question. Cause he is like the, he operates with the highest integrity of any human being I've ever met. That's when he said, okay, now I have to do something. Now I have to release some of the receipts. And he created a, what is now a four part series on our Substack, which is cancelproof.substack.com. So I'll let your audience know if they're interested in the whole story, we got it all there at cancelproof.substack.com. The first part I think is called, 
canceled from freedom fest which is a great title i love that title and it just kind of goes over every, everything from the original emails and how they were excited about it and they wanted to promote it and then you know what they said to take it down um so that's when it kind of became public. And then it turned into a little bit of a, a almost a, a war because there was a guy that was a judge on Freedom Fest. His name was Sean Malone. He put out this long essay, essentially, um, for all the reasons why Freedom Fest was right, um, you know, to pull the film. And there was just there was like a week of back and forth. Nick Fuentes mentioned him by name on the show. And, and uh, yeah, I don't think they came out looking very good um, at all. A lot of people, you know, privately were, were saying that, like, it was just a really bad movie. Even Dave Smith came out and said he, did, he didn't think that they should have um, canceled it, that they should have, you know, removed it. Uh, he said that I think on Twitter, there's a clip of him saying it. And then on Twitter, we went back and forth a little bit about it. And Dave Smith is highly influential. He he basically like MCs their event in a way. Right. And, you know, the, he's got like the biggest party at Freedom Fest is his comedy show that he does like the night, like the next on that last night, I think it is. And so, you know, we had support with from within, but they had made this decision and, and dug their hills in um, about it. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, and I always I mean, I was a. Uh, when I was really into the libertarian thing, I was a big fan of Dave Smith. I'm st I don't dislike Dave Smith. I think he's a lot of integrity. I mean, he's, he's had I agree. Nick, I like Nick on the yeah. program a couple times. So I, I yeah. just, and Nick likes him too. I know yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we could disagree with some things, but uh, he has integrity for sure. Right. And, and just, it seems like in this day and age, as long as you don't dis just don't disavow. I mean, like when, when a person's interesting, someone's interesting and there's plenty of people in whatever sphere that I like destiny, for instance, I mean, me and destiny probably agree on basically nothing. Right. But you, you went on his yeah. show and he's an interesting guy. He's like a mover and a shaker in the sphere. And he, at least he won't disavow someone and he'll ask a question. I don't think his, his, he's a little weird with words. I don't think like his yeah. use of words. I don't know. It's not like necessarily autism, but it's, I don't it's know. He gets hungry, yeah. like non-autism, autism. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've thought the same, I've thought the same thing. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. It's like a neuroticism. It's something mm, else. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's very interesting. Yeah. So do you, so what about with the, so you know, my, we just talked about uh, freedom fest and they showed you know, a certain amount of you know, like the opposite of whatever the opposite of integrity is, but my movies plus yeah. is the platform that it's, that it's on right now. How did you get on there? And, and were they ever having second thoughts about, cause it was cool seeing you guys get on a, at least a platform that isn't an America yeah. first specific uh, platform, but how did that process look like? You know, did you shop it around to other, other platforms and how did you finally get on there? Yeah. So, so because it's Nick Fuentes and it's America verse, uh, there wasn't really shopping on this film at all because uh, <laughs> yeah. we never thought it would be on it. Yeah. So we had, we had opened up some discussions with these movies plus guys um, a couple months prior and the discussions were always around the Q shaman movie that we have Q sent me. I'll do a quick shill. Quick Q plug. Sent me is Q, the name of it. Q, Q sent me movie.com. There's information there. You can sign up and the steel, which is the steel.com. These are our movies in the pipeline that we have coming. They were very interested in, them being the the partner that brings those to market and with their setup you know you sign an exclusive exclusivity deal with them and after that window expires they can pump it to amazon and apple and, and everywhere else and it's a, it's a great it's a great deal it's a, it's a great relationship that we we thought we wanted to do so as things were looking like we were close to signing a deal um you know i just said hey by the way guys i got this other movie that's pretty much done 
got kicked out of a film festival, kind of brought them up to speed on that whole thing. And I said, you probably won't want to show this because, because, uh, you know, I, I've taken the temperature of the world right now, but um, let me send it to you and, and you guys tell me what you think. And they watch it and they got back to us almost immediately. They're like, Oh my gosh, we love this. It's, mm. it's fair. It's neutral. You guys handle it in a really good way. And we really believe in free speech. We really want to, you know, stake our claim to like the free speech platform and while not being like a right, it's not like a right wing only. It's not like a Christian right wing only, they, you know, and they told us they weren't warned us, I guess, which I didn't really care. They're like, this might be sitting next to a, a documentary that's favorable to like, I don't think there's an Antifa, but you know what they like, like that would like, that's totally on the other side. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like people should watch things that exist. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And so, um, we really weren't sure. Like I knew they liked it, but obviously they had to do some homework and, and take a little temperature of whoever their partners are. And, and, and they ended up wanting it. And so to their credit, their credit, once they made the decision, they've been a hundred percent on board, you know, supporting the film and, you know, wanting to be like a, an avenue for people to use, to get content out there. They've been awesome partners. Like I can't say enough good things about them. They took a huge chance and stuck their necks out for a project like this for us when nobody else would. And I think, you know, as I talk about this movie to people and I promote it, I say, Hey, I think it's a great movie. I think you should watch it. I, I believe in it. I stand by it, but also it's a vote for free speech. If you give these guys a little money, you could just do a one month subscription and watch it. You could do an annual, which saves you over 50%, which is a really good deal. It's, it's like, we've talked about for so long, we need these other, you know, other engines, these other communities to spring up and, and distributors or whatever. And it can't just be all dominated by alphabet Inc and Facebook. And so well, we, now we have that because these guys are mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean, if you have a cell phone anywhere, you can download it, subscribe and be watching this movie within like two or three minutes. And that was what was really important to us. I never thought the Netflix was going to be open to us or Paramount or HBO, like not for this film, but the fact that it can be on something that anybody can get, uh, which is how I define mainstream. I think that's a huge win. And I didn't really think that would ever happen with, with this film. So it is progress. Mm, that's really good. And they, that's awesome that they, they didn't even bat an eye at it, you know? Um, and I, we were before, I don't know if you saw what we were covering beforehand, but we were looking at their website and there were, were a couple I don't know what the right word, not like Antifa, but kind of there was, they were talking about the like slavery to prison, the whole like, you know, leftist race narrative. And I, I agree with you that, yeah. that people should watch content that it's, yeah. you know, and it's why, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of anti-libertarian, not going to be a libertarian anytime soon, but I do believe in, in basic freedom as far as marketplace of ideas and free speech. I mean, it's like, you know, I believe sure. in merit. I believe in merit. How could I not as a musician? I think that the person who's playing the best stuff should be regarded as the best. And I think that that works the same way with ideas to a certain extent um, that, you know, people should be able to make content. I'm a content creator. And I think that absolutely you know, it's just that, that how are you an artist? That's how I know these people that are, that are opposed to, the con they're just not artists. They're anti-art. I've always been an artist my whole life, honest expression. And there's going to be people on the whatever side that are also artists. But you can tell when someone's an artist and when they're just, uh, I don't know, like a shill. I don't know what the right word is. Just uh, like, yeah. kind of a, I don't know what the right word for, for an anti-artist is. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that because with, with the Freedom Fest judge and like organizer guy, Sean Malone, that I, I had been in June, we were, had a lot of back and forth on Facebook before I disengaged. You know, essentially, 
his criticism and defense for the movie being pulled came down to a bunch of creative decisions that had I make differently or different, or if I go back and change, then maybe it would get in. And I was like, and I got criticism for this for some people. I'm like, dude, this is art. This is my art. Like you're describing a film that I don't want to make. This isn't a news story where I have to like hit all these bullet points to hit like the ethics of an integrity of journalism. And then I could be published. It's like, no, nothing I'm saying is a lie. It's a hundred percent true. And you can go check it. His criticism was I didn't do enough to disparage Nick. I didn't properly inform the audience of the context on who he is. And what I, my claim, what I say to that is I get to decide what the context is. If I want your context to be, nothing until you get to experience this story first in, instead of the anti-defamation league, you know, ADL story or the, his Wikipedia page that pulls all of the bad things he said first to feed you that. So now you have to say, Oh, I'm dealing with this type of guy. It's like, wait, no, no, no. You're allowed to make a film where you just let the guy talk. Like that is a valid way of making a film. It's not the film that Sean Malone wanted to see, which is fine. And I said this, it's like you, anybody, you can make that film. You can make the hit piece film. Louis Thoreau did a film. That's definitely significantly more critical than the film I made. And he was trying to do that and he achieved that. Some people didn't think he did it well enough and he got criticism on that side. So it's like, it is our, I mean, it's, it's important to remember that that's what it is we're doing. And it's not like, it's not us trying to, you know, think about ourselves in some bigger high-minded way. It's like, no, we are storytellers and I am telling this compelling story and I get to tell the story I want to tell because I funded it and I made it and I crafted it. So I'm not going to tell the story you want to tell, like you can do it. Like you can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can take all the same footage I did and just put your opinion on it. And that could be your movie, you know, like, and actually I had the experience. I had the thought, maybe it would be fun to do a thing where you take, you get all the same footage and you give it to like a couple different filmmakers and let them make their narrative as an experiment to show you could do anything like really with what you could, you can make anything you want with the same source footage. It's not really all just objective reality. It's like, what do you want to tell and how do you want to tell it? You know? Yeah. That's very true. That would be a pretty interesting, uh, exp- yeah. So what was your favorite part about, uh, the making the documentary? I mean, I know that you were working on basically three projects at once, but what was your, yeah. What was your favorite part or a couple of standout moments of the creation process from this documentary? You know, I, I think I would say just, just getting involved in this world of, we'll call it, I guess, groypers or the right wing dissident movement, um, you know, I, I just rubbing shoulders and meeting these people and even like the journalists and me trying to figure out, okay, like, where's the evil Nazi in this guy or that guy? Where's the, da- you know, where's the thing that they are warning me about? And then just realizing these are like really wholesome, authentic people that operate with high integrity. I mean, a lot of people in politics don't. And a lot of these people that you're meeting, they're not, they're not really like in politics. They're not like political operators that are like always assessing and taking the temperature of this position or that position. Nick probably does that more than, than most because he's, he is running a political thing, but a lot of the guys that are streamers or they're just orbiting around and fans and they go to these things. They're just like young youth, sometimes kids, sometimes young adults, sometimes a little bit older, like in, in my age range. And it's just, it's really interesting to see it from the inside because without seeing it from the inside, I won't be able to tell you a story, an experiential story with how 
I see Nick and how Nick sees himself. And, you know, that's what I told people. I'm like, I think there's value in creating a story or creating a piece of content that allows Nick to explain what he's experiencing. Now you could call him a a subversive figure. You could say he's lying or he, he's just like presenting one side to be more like, you could say whatever you want. I don't think any of that's true, but you still should see it because how the guy sees himself is important. Like it matters. And uh, that's what this film does. And so far, the reviews are, have been really, really good. I mean, I, I, on IMDb, is, at the time of this filming, there's 25 reviews. One is negative, And every other one, except one, has 10 stars. And then some, one is kind of in between. So it's like, that's the audience we're reaching. And a lot, if you read them, a lot of them started with, I really didn't know who this guy was. But I'm appalled that the government can do this. It's like, that's kind of the point. I, you're... I want you to feel something about what's happening because that's a citizen right there who's yeah. never been accused of a crime. And, you know, all the all the attack that he gets online, like he just it's it's never like criminal. It's like he's a homosexual. He's like a, a, a cat boy. He's a Mexican. He's a really he's not hard enough on immigrants. It's like, OK, well, fine. That's fair. But like this guy couldn't fly and had all of his money taken. Not for those reasons. For other reasons, there was an, he was a danger to the regime and he was mobilizing a lot of people and without committing a crime or even like the whiff of committing a crime, this is what they did to him. Right. And it's like, let's talk about that. Right. Not the cat boys. I don't care. But like, I don't even care about that stuff. You know, I don't think the people criticizing him care about that stuff. It's just like some weird attack vector. They've decided they can type in and somehow like they win a point. I don't it doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've noticed a lot of the same thing. And the more that I've become a fan of his, it's just it's just they kind of have nothing because if it was if it wasn't that, it'd be something else. And if they had, a, yeah. you, you know, if he had committed a crime, the government would be on his ass. And but it's there, yeah. you know, his haters kind of grasp at straws and there's not really many. He's very persuasive. I mean, like if you watch his shows, uh, he's very persuasive, well-spoken and um from what I understand, he's still under investigation. So I'll definitely uh, pray for him on that. Um, you know, you, you said the, the future of your work, you know, in the short term is the steel and Q sent me, but do you have any yeah. projects? I mean, do you plan to do, um, you said earlier that, it, you know, obviously it has to interest you in order for it to be a project for yours, unless you're getting paid the big bucks. But do you have any other, other future projects after that in planned or anything or anything uh, non-political? It's fine. If it, you know, I yeah, like politics, I'm, but I'm, yeah. I'm definitely, I have the desire to step away from political documentaries after this trilogy, not forever, but like other stories do interest me. And, and uh, it's, you know, I think it's, it's time to take a little, maybe take a year break from that stuff. I have some other things sort of in the pipeline, nothing that I can really announce. Um, A lot of times I will, I will find a story that I think is interesting and I'll basically go do what I did with Nick. I'll go have an agreement with somebody. I'll go out, interview them, spend some time with. So I've done that. I've done like a couple shoots with a guy and I'll, I'll say it's in the fitness influencer space. It's a really interesting story, but completely different. The audience would be completely different. I think it's a really compelling story nonetheless. Um, so there's something there. There's another thing in a, in a, in a sports related thing here in Texas that I've spent some time shooting. So yeah, um, I, I, all these little things that there's some footage in the can and then I'll probably just kind of res- resurrect it and see what, see what's up. But what's also very likely is something else like I never really planned to do the Nick Fuentes thing because I had these other two movies on my plate. It just came up and I was like, I have to do it. I have to cover it. So sometimes, unfortunately, I get that calling. So there could be something that happens 
that w- hasn't even happened yet. And I'm like, I got to go make that yeah. short. So we'll see. Yeah, you're an artist, man. It probably I can will tell. be political. Yeah. It probably yeah. will be political. I got, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, what, what, what about the? You know, this is a big question. I mean, I, you know, it's not, not something anyone can handle in just like a couple minutes or whatever. What, what, what's your general vibe on the future of the country? Uh, you know, like, the, are you like, you know, in the short term, are you white pilled, you black pilled? Like, what do you think is going to be? I mean, I got all this stuff going on. I mean, we've been talking about it with the feds, we yeah. have the, you know, the whole regime crackdown is insane. Uh, it's obviously not really the country we grew up in. Uh, but what, what's your thoughts on, you know, the future of the country over the next, you know, five to 10 years? I would say generally, I'm, I'm still white pilled on, um, on what this country can be for my kids. You know, I have children and, and, um, I'm maybe best case scenario, I'm halfway through life myself. And, you know, you, you think about those things. And so, um, I I don't think we're like, we've crossed that point where it's just going to suck forever. I think times are going to get worse before they get better. I think Nick talks about that too. Um, you know, it's easy to get blackpilled or it's easy to just be really depressed on the way, the way things are trending. But you know, these, really incredible political moments are still possible of happening. You know, like Trump, I didn't think Trump could happen and it did. And uh, he lost the last round, let's say, but like w- we still have that in us. Um, and I would say if our empire falls and it, it totally sucks, there's still, it's still a big world, <laughs> you know, it's still a big world with a lot of different places. So yeah, I, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to allow them. I mean, I'm a Catholic, I'm, I'm a, I'm a serious Catholic and I believe in, I see things in the eternal, you know, in the infinite. And it's like, you know, say what you want. My time on this earth, whether it sucks or not is, is a very small amount of time in the context of eternity. And so I hope things aren't completely awful in, in the next 40, 50 years while I'm still here. But if they are, you know, it's not really going to change the, the our future you know in the grand sense so i don't know i think that's a white pilling way of looking at things but that's just me yeah i mean i i'm a christian as well and i think that the ultimate there's no white pill without without god and you know if you look at things that way i mean if you're black pilled it's what is what is your eye on what ball is your eye on you know if it's if it's just the material and if it's in this the here and now here and now being an entire lifetime you're on earth. I mean, yeah, you have the inter- eternity yeah. in mind. So it is, I agree with you on that, that it's, if you keep your eyes on the eternal and the most high, it's, it's kind of, it's impossible to really be, to really be black pilled, black pilled. It's when people focus on the material, when it get, can get rough. Um, but you have to always return back to it, right? It's like, you still, the money exists and you know, sure. like the world exists yeah. and we're in a fallen world. So, um, a couple more questions before we get out of here. Uh, what's the, uh, you, you have a podcast as well. So you, you have your podcast and your sub stack and what do you, type of content do you cover on those? Like, just tell us about those other, um, you yeah. Know, outlets. So, so the podcast and our cozy channel, it's kind of morphed into one thing right now. So at this point, you know, when we started last year, we were doing more traditional, like audio only podcast content. We would do maybe once a week and we, we'd come with this big plan and then once we got our cozy channel, I, I saw a lot of benefit in kind of converting a lot of that more to streams and then sometimes pushing stuff over to the podcast. And I think really that that feels like a better fit for me content wise. It's not a huge time expenditure to do and I could kind of do it on the fly. It fits more with like a, this social media presence that I have. So um, so that's one thing. What do we talk about? It's just it, it's all over the place. I mean, it's like a it's like a lot of the guys that stream. Sometimes it's a 
it's it's a, a more tr- traditional show with me or J- me and Jason bringing on a guest. Haven't done a, one of those in a while, and and sometimes it's me doing like a stream while I'm editing and talking through my my workflow, which is unique. Uh, at least on Cozy, it's unique. And then sometimes it's gaming where I'm just playing a game and we're talking, right? So it's kind of that whole kind of that whole world. And then Substack is a place. It's kind of like our main place we point people to if they want to keep up to what we're up to. It's like if you subscribe on Substack, you'll know when our films come out. You'll see articles as we write them. We were writing a lot around the time of Freedom Fest and haven't written so much recently because, it's, you know, it's, we've just been in the edit room and in our world creating stuff, but we'll update you on that too. So um, yeah, those two play, there are other places, but it's, I don't want to drown people out. So if they go to cozy TV slash cancel proof or cancel pretty much you'll get to everything we do from those places. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, so last question, I was going to ask you to plug your work later, but you kind of did just now, but last, yeah. so I'm looking at your Twitter feed and it says, I want yeah. to get on a track with Bryson gray. Are you a rapper? Yeah. Are you like, like, so, what, are you a musician? No, like what's I, up there? I'm a musician for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm not a rapper, but okay. I, I, I think I can be one. Okay. Not really much of a vocalist at all. The when I was my last band, I played uh, I played bass guitar in, but I could play like bass guitar, drums. I could sing. I used to do like Gregorian chant. So I mean, I can sing. Wow. Not so much a, a rock musician, but I'm always kind of having fun and and rapping. The band that I was in, like I was in one band in Los Angeles like 20 years ago, and it was when like rap rock was really big, like the infusion of hip hop and alternative. And so our band was kind of like that. We had two MCs and we were like a seven person band. Kind of, it was very LA at the time. There was a lot of that happening. And so, um, while I wasn't a rapper, I, you know, it's, if you're in that world, you're, you're, you're sometimes rapping with people or whatever, or, or screwing around. So I did write that on a lark, but also thinking I, I could see that happening. Wow. And he followed me from that tweet. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe he got the message. <laughs> I see that too. Well, I will say that I'm a rapper. I have a, I have a rap album. Okay. And nice. I, if you get on a track with Bryson Gray before I do, I'll be deeply upset. Okay. I'll, I'll well, know now that, I'm really, yeah. um, now I'm motivated. Now yeah. I'm motivated to send another tweet about it. I want to, I, cause I always want to win. Great. So now I have something to try yeah. to beat you guys. So. <laughs> well, this is a great conversation, Paul. You know, you said earlier, but why don't you tell people one more time how to find you online? All the, uh, the stuff is below in the show description. Uh, have people check out your documentary and stuff like that. But this will also be a podcast. So tell people how to great. find you online. And uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah, great talking to you. Yeah, you can go to cancelproof.substack.com. You can also subscribe to our Cozy channel, which is cozy.tv slash cancelproof. And just lastly, I will say if you go to uh, mymoviesplus.com or you can download the app on your smartphone or tablet or smart TV, consider giving our film a watch. It's called The Most Cancel Man in America. It's 47 minutes long. It's $5.99 per month to subscribe to this um, service or $29.99 for the year. And it's supporting, you know, supporting you know companies that want to put out content that may be counter narrative that really support free speech and i think you'll enjoy the movie i think it's a good film that i I want to share with people so if you if you want to give that a watch you can sounds good all right well we'll, i'll see you out out there on the internet somewhere you know we followed each other on twitter so i'm sure we'll have interactions again okay yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it i had a great time cool man we'll talk soon oh i didn't mean to cancel it that fast (laughs) paul eskendon Fantastic. <laughs> Let me DM him and say that. I just like, goodbye. Oh, bye. See ya. Goodbye. So abrupt. Uh...
was awesome. Great. I do want to DM him real fast. <laughs> That was very interesting. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with our lives? All right, let's turn this down, put another track on. That'll be a podcast later. Paul Eskindon, everybody. <laughs>